Welcome to the teaching ministry of Dr. Benji Kelly and New Hope Church. We're so glad you've joined us today for this week's podcast. Dr. Kelly is currently leading us through a five-week series entitled Guardrails. In this series, we're discovering how many of the regrets we have or will have can be avoided simply by establishing personal guardrails. Dr. Kelly is covering the most relevant topics like friendship, marriage, finances, and career. Now here's our guest speaker today, Pastor Chad Lunsford. What's up, New Hope Church? How are we doing today? You guys sound awesome. Welcome to uh, part three of our guardrail series. My name is Chad Lunsford. I have the honor and privilege of uh, sharing with you today. And I also have the privilege of being our teaching and connections pastor here at New Hope Church. So uh, welcome to all of you. Welcome to guardrails. I want to welcome in all of our campuses as well. So first of all, welcome everybody here at Central Campus. I hope you guys are doing well. Uh, welcome into our campuses at Garner and Sanford, at uh, our ladies at NCCIW, those at North Raleigh, those in Columbia, our peeps up in the coffee house, and whether you're watching online or on TV, for everybody, welcome. We are glad that you are here today. If you guys have been enjoying guardrails, if you're excited for today, let me hear you give a quick shout. Yeah, good. It has, uh, it's, it's been a great series, and it's only been two weeks uh, so far, so I'm excited to, uh, to bring uh, part three. We've been looking topically so far, and we'll continue to do so throughout the series, but uh, we're going to do something a little different today. I just want to kind of take the lens we've been looking at and just kind of look at a bit of a different angle uh, on guardrails today. So just, just a little different. There's been some definitions we've been working on uh, throughout, and so I just want to bring those back to mind. The first is this, that guardrails, as we know them, are a system designed to keep vehicles from straying into dangerous or off-limit areas. So when we've been looking at that definition, there's a, there's a bit of protection of guarding ourselves. When what, we've, uh, what we've been talking about is what if we established guardrails in areas of our lives that kept us from disaster? Right, guardrails that we could place a few feet from disaster, right? So if we were to hit them, the damage would be low, right? So that, that's, that's been the first working definition. The second one is this. And this is what we've been kind of looking at like guardrails in our lives. We, we said that they are a standard of personal behavior that becomes a matter of conscience. A standard of personal behavior that becomes a matter of conscience. And in this sense, they, uh, they're guiding us, right? They're, they're, they direct us to where we want to go. In, in other words, we would say, is there an area of our lives that we would say, this is as far as I go? Is there an area of our lives we say, this is as far as I go? And when we get close to it, it becomes a a standard of warning for us. And it becomes your own personal standard, right? It's not necessarily someone else's. It's yours for you to keep you away from danger. So today I wanted to, to offer a third definition. And really it's kind of a summary definition. It takes the first two and kind of puts them together. And this is what we're going to be focusing on today. Guardrails are a set of values that guard and guide you, ensuring arrival at your desired destination. Guardrails are a set of values that guard and guide you, ensuring arrival at your desired destination. In other words, you see where you want to go, and then you create the guardrails or the values in your life, ensuring that you get there. So you've probably noticed in life, when you, when you look around, that there are certain people who can just see into the future, and they have a remarkable way of actually creating it. Right? They, they can look at a destination and somehow they can take themselves, their family, or maybe even entire organizations or even 
countries or cities. They can look into the future and they can get there. One such man, there was a, a man, and most of you have probably heard of him. And I think visionaries like this, they understand that all people get somewhere. All people get somewhere, but few get there on purpose. Are you with me? So there was, there was a man several years ago. He lived in Los Angeles. He worked very hard uh, during the week, and he had children. So on the weekends, he loved to take his children to an amusement park. And so when they would get there, he, he, he said he, just, he loved the sights and the sounds and the smells of the amusement park. And he loved to see his children and other children's faces lighting up. But one thing that sort of struck him was the, the lack of integrity of this amusement park, this one in particular. He said when they would arrive, they'd see the carousel off in the distance and these kids would get so happy. They could hear the calliope playing and they could see all the horses jumping. And then as they would get up closer to it, what they would realize is that all the horses had chipped paint. It looked really good from afar. And then when they got up close to it, it kind of looked beat up and worn down. And the other part of it was this, that only the horses on the outside of the carousel actually jumped. So there was a bit of an illusion that when you were far away, you thought all the horses were jumping. But when you got up close, only those on the outside were actually jumping. So this man, and, and, and as he would go to the amusement park on Saturdays with his children, he had this vision. What if there was a place where children could go where there was no chipped paint and all the horses jumped? That was the, the simplicity of his vision. What if there was a place where there was no chipped paint and all the horses jumped? You know this place as Disneyland, right? You know the man as Walt Disney. That was the simplicity of his vision. What if there was a place where all the horses jumped and there was, there was no chipped paint? In fact, he had that motto on his desk so that every day he could look at it. And then everything that Disney would create, that's, that was his vision. If you've ever been to Disneyland or Disney World or one of the Disney parks throughout, close to the center of the park, in every one of them, there's a carousel. Right, Because it was the center of his vision. He wanted everything to revolve around that idea. That there was no chipped paint and all of the horses would jump. Several years later, after Disney World down in Florida opened up. And uh, if you know the story, uh, Walt Disney uh, actually passed away before the park opened. And there's a, there's a, there's a, a fable or maybe a truth. I'm not sure because I've seen the story kind of written in different ways. But the story goes like this. That at the grand opening, one of the reporters asked the senior official... And they, or they, they kind of commented to them, isn't it a shame that Walt never got to see this? To which the senior official said, he did. That's why it's here today. In fact, he would say to us, what took you so long? <laughs> right? He had, he had vision. And for a lot of us, we look at men like that or we look at people like that. And we, we kind of look at them and marvel. Like, how can they create something in their minds and then create a map to get there? How do, how do some people see the future and somehow always somehow arrive there? We look at these people and we marvel, but I wonder if it's not as lofty as you might think. I wonder if there's something from them we can learn and use for ourselves. In fact, I wonder if there's already some of them in us already and we just simply don't realize it. Think about it. If, if you were going somewhere today... Maybe you're just simply going across the city. You're going across the state. You're going somewhere you've never been before, right? Maybe you're, you're going to travel from here to, a, to another state or another city today. You've never been there before. There's going to be a process that you go through, right? You're going to pick the destination, right? And then you're going to create a map to get there. Now, you might just simply do this in your head if you kind of know the general way, or you might get out your GPS or like... 
probably 90% of us, we'd get out our phones, right? And we'd create a map to get there. And the map would ensure that we arrive at our desired destination. There's going to be lines and there's going to be signs. There's going to be guardrails to help us get to our destination. So whether you knew it or not, in some form or fashion, you were actually a visionary. That's all visionaries are simply doing. They're picking a destination and they're creating a map to get there. And then they create values or guardrails to keep them on track during their route. When I think about people not really seeing themselves as visionaries, I often think of my dad. My dad would not call himself a visionary. He's a very, very hardworking man. He's had a full-time job since the time that he was uh, 16. But I don't think my dad would ever call himself a visionary. I would beg to differ, but I don't think he would call himself that. So when I think of my dad, I often think of some of the vacations we would take when I was growing up as a kid. We didn't take a lot of them, but the few that we did, we would typically end up in Florida. I don't know, for, for kids growing up in the Midwest, that was typically the destination. You would just go to Florida, whether you go to the beach on one side of the peninsula or the other, or you'd end up at Disney World, whatever, whatever it might be, Universal Studios, we would head to Florida. And I, I remember this process very vividly, that whenever we would uh, get up to, to go to Florida, my dad would create a map. Right? Maybe you have uh, memories of, of your parents creating maps. Now, back in the day, you'd whip out that old big atlas, right? Who remembers the atlas, right? Like, oh my goodness, how many hours have we wasted with atlases, right? If we could just see into the future with phones and GPSs. But, so my dad, he would get out his atlas and he'd write down the map and then we would go. Now, at some point, inevitably, we would get lost and my dad would scratch his head. He would say a few choice words. That was usually part of the, the, the scenario, the equation, but somehow we would always arrive at our desired destination, right? But my dad wouldn't necessarily call himself a visionary, but I would, I would, I would beg to differ. Now on this route to Florida, every time we would see these signs, all right, as we were driving, there would be dozens, if not like hundreds of these signs. And they would say this, I brought along one of the signs. They're just old raggedy signs alongside the road. And they would say, see rock city, now, if you've ever been traveling between the Midwest and the Florida, these typically start popping up in Tennessee. Maybe you've, you've seen them before. And then there's like a lot of them and they end up popping up like on barns, on sides of barns. I've seen them like on roofs of houses. There are hundreds of these signs. I went trying to find a couple online and there were like thousands of them out there. It was, it was, it was kind of crazy. So as we're driving, you drive and you see a Sea Rock City sign. I had no idea as a kid what Sea Rock City was. I really still don't know what Sea Rock City is. And then you'd drive a couple more miles and you'd see another one. And then you'd see another one and you'd see another one. And you'd see a barn or a house, whatever it might be. So after a while, we're like, Dad, we got to see Rock City, right? Like, we got to stop in and see Rock City. And like, we're like begging him, Dad, like the signs say it, see Rock City. We got to stop. And every time, without fail, my dad would say, no, no. Now, we didn't get it at the time. We just thought, man, what a stick in the mud. We want to see Rock City. But my dad understood something, right? We had never set out to see Rock City because we were going to Florida. Are you with me? And without knowing, or maybe my dad knew it, he was kind of beginning to teach us guardrails or values in life. We hadn't set out to see Rock City. We had set out to see Florida. Now, I'm a parent, and I kind of am beginning to, to get it and pick it up. And I've actually learned after living in North Carolina, there is a Carolina's version of the ultimate tourist trap. You guys already know what I'm talking about, right? So if you, were, if you don't, let me explain. So if you're traveling between the Carolinas, 
right? And you get just south of the North Carolina border. There is a lovely place there. And so as you're picking up on my sarcasm. So not too long ago, now I, I'm new to the Carolinas, so I hadn't seen it before until we, we actually launched our, our Columbia campus and we were driving back and forth and I saw this place. So as, uh, about a year ago, my family and I, we were traveling to, uh, to Charleston in South Carolina. It was my wife's 30th birthday. My wife and I have always talked about going to Charleston. So for her 30th birthday, I'm like, we're going to Charleston, right? And so we've been talking about it. We've been planning it for months. We were like budgeting for it. Like we are going to Charleston. Now, as we're driving, we begin to see these signs. And if you guys can pop up one of these signs for a little place called South of the Border. That's their mascot. His name is Pedro. I love this one. Keep yelling, kids. They'll stop. Which is wonderful for my seven-year-old who's just learning to read, right? What's that say, Dad? It says we're not going. That's what it says. So as we get closer, my kids keep saying, like, what? Like, like, what's south of the border, Dad? Like, what's south of the border? And I'm trying to explain to, like, a four- and a seven-year-old, I guess at the time they were three and six, like, it's a tourist trap. And they're like, what's a tourist trap? Like, you know, like, what do you mean? Like, and so I'm, I'm trying to explain it to them. And then we pass by, right? And it looks like this, if you've never seen uh, this gym <laughs> south of the border, right? It's a, it's a great place, south of the border. I've never stopped. I'm never going to stop. And so as we're passing by, my girls are like, dad, we got to stop at South of the border. Like we got to check this place out. Like it said, like kids rule at South of the border. We've got to stop at South of the border. Right now there's this moment, like parents, you've been there, right? There's this moment, like you kind of want to give in to your kids. Cause it, even though you know, it's a bad idea. Does it sound like a terrible idea? Cause like you're, you're like, like I'm hungry, right? Like, like the kids are like, let's just call it what it is being annoying. Right? Like. There's a, I've got three kids. It's inevitable when you're traveling for any period of time, one of them is screaming and yelling and you're like, I don't even care. We'll just stop at South of the border. If it just stops what's happening in the back seat, right? For a moment, for a moment, I thought that. And then I remember my destination, Charleston, right? So I brought along a couple of picture, pictures of Charleston. If you guys want to pop those up. So here's the beautiful city of Charleston, South Carolina, right? And then uh, here's Battery Park right on the water. And one more park of the College of Charleston. It's a beautiful place if you've ever been to Charleston. Now, my kids have never been to Charleston. They don't even know what Charleston's all about. We're just telling them we're going to this city, right? So as we're going, and they're saying, like, Dad, we got to stop at south of the border. I'm thinking, why in the world would I stop at south of the border and see Pedro, right? When I'm going to Charleston. Are you following me? Why in the world would I stop at south of the border when the beautiful destination, this old city called Charleston that's been preserved for centuries, why would I stop at south of the border when Charleston's awaiting me? Are you, are you with me? Why would I stop at south of the border when Charleston is awaiting me? Why would I settle for something less when my destination is so much better? Why would I stop at something less when my destination is so much better? Today, I want to challenge us to put these simple values and begin into our lives, begin applying them to the different areas of our lives, right? So our definition today is a set of values that guard and guide you, ensuring you arrive at your desired destination. It's actually learning to see how our decisions today affect tomorrow. Our decisions today affect 
tomorrow. Now, this is easy if you're comparing south of the border in Charleston, right? Like they don't even compare. If you've driven by south of the border, you're with me. You know what I'm talking about, right? That's kind of easy when we're comparing these two destinations, but we don't always see it so clearly in life, do we? Like we've heard that God has a plan for our lives, and we might even believe that God has something big to accomplish, yet we are often willing to take the side trip instead of staying the course to where God has us. Where we're often willing to, to settle for what's here today instead of keeping our eyes focused on what's coming down the road tomorrow. We know something better is coming, but we often are willing to kind of pull off the interstate, so to speak. Right? That's why with our finances, we're willing to sacrifice savings or investment for pleasure today. Right? With our careers, we're often willing to settle for a career. Even when we know it's not God's best, we, we hate getting up and doing it every day, but it pays the bills, so we just sort of kind of keep muddling through it. With our sexuality, we might compromise sexually just simply because it feels good instead of looking down the road to where we're going, our desired destination. I don't know if you've ever been told this before. For some of you, you probably have. For some of you, I'm sure you haven't. God has a plan for your life. If you've never heard that before, if you didn't believe it, I just want to be another one to put it out there for you. God has a plan for your life. He has a desired destination for you. And it's far more about the who than the what. It's far more about the kind of person that God sees that you can be. He wants to give you influence. Catch this. He wants to give you influence and make a difference in you and through you. Don't sacrifice lifelong influence for momentary satisfaction. That's the essence of where we're going today. Don't sacrifice lifelong influence for momentary satisfaction. Men, women, that's what happens, right? Pastor Benji was talking last week about sexuality. The week before was talking about alcohol and consumption in our lives. If we mess up in those areas, that's what we lose. We lose influence. We lose influence with our spouses. We lose influence with our children. We lose influence at work. We lose it everywhere. If we mess up, if we go through the guardrails, if we push through the tensions that we know we're not supposed to cross, we lose influence. Don't sacrifice lifelong influence for momentary satisfaction. You see, a lack of guardrails will inevitably lead to a lack of influence. So how do we see the destination to see where we're going and actually learn to stay on track? If you have your Bibles with you today, you can turn to Daniel chapter 1. I'm going to look at a story in the, in the book of Daniel, actually looking at Daniel himself. In the Old Testament, Daniel was a man that could see the destination better than most. He learned to develop values to guard and to guide him, ensuring that he arrived at his desired destination. He could see the destination better, and he knew how to get there. Look at Daniel chapter 1, just the first several verses here. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. So Nebuchadnezzar took over Jerusalem. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the articles from the temple of God. These he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put in the treasure house of his God. So in 605 BC, Nebuchadnezzar goes into Jerusalem, sacks it, takes stuff, takes people, and brings it back to Babylon. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz. Now, if I can make it through all these names, you guys need to applaud me, okay? (laughs) Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring in some of the Israelites from the royal family. 
and the nobility. Catch this. Young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years, and after that they were to enter into the king's service. So Nebuchadnezzar, he takes over Jerusalem, right? He takes some of the best men among the nobility, among the royals, the best of the best, and he brings them back and he puts them under the leadership of his chief officer, right? Now, a king doesn't put his chief officer on just a menial task, right? Like, this is important, this is big, he wants it done right. He's to take these young men, the best and the brightest, and completely strip everything they know about being a Jew, about being an Israelite, and turn them in to being a Babylonian, to think, eat, sleep, dream like a Babylonian. Strip away their culture. They were given a daily portion of the king's table, and they were supposed to be trained for three years. Now, if you were one of those captives, you might have to be a little conflicted right now. Like, you thought you were going to die, right? Like, this strong king from Babylon came in, besieged you, took you. He's probably going to take you out into the desert and kill you. At best, he's going to enslave you. And then the best and the brightest, that doesn't happen to them at all, does it? They're taking you into the king's palace. They're given the king's digs. They're given the king's food. They're given the world's best training and development at the time. I wonder what we would be thinking, what would we would be feeling if we were them. Two more verses. Verse 6, among these were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief official gave them new names. Stay with me. To Daniel, the name Belteshazzar, which simply meant that, that, that Bel, the, the god of Babylon, would save or protect. To Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. Thank you. Thank you. I got it. I got it. <laughs> we, made, we made it through the first part. I wonder what we would do if we were in their shoes. Like, wouldn't it be easy to estimate, right, that God at this point had left them? Like, all the visions that they had of the past were gone. Everything that they were taught and trained and developed, and that was very important for an Israelite, has now been taken away from them. Right? They're not eating. They're not drinking. They're not even sleeping in the same quarters. Everything has changed. Their names have changed. Right? They would have taken them and they probably would have shaved their heads and put earrings on their ears. Like they were turning into completely different people. I wonder if they believed that God's promises over their lives had actually expired. Right, Like articles from their temple that they used in, in preparation for worshiping their God were taken and put into the temple of a false God. They were conquered. They were now in a foreign land with a new language, a new literature, and a new direction. And actually, they had it pretty good. Things were going along fairly well for them. They had to believe that God's promises over their lives had expired and there was something new that was completely going on for them. And here's what we're going to sit on today. This is our pivotal verse. Verse 8. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. I want to read that one more time. 
But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself in this way. Now, Daniel's friends had to have thought he was crazy, right? Like, Daniel, we've got it pretty good, right? We, we could have been like the others who were killed or enslaved or whatever, sold, whatever, whatever might have happened to them. We've got it pretty good, Daniel. Why are you pushing this? To the king's men, can you imagine? We could have killed you, Daniel. We could have taken your life. We've given you the best of the best. We're training you. You're going to someday work for the king himself. How dare you say that you're not going to eat our food and drink our wine, right? Daniel knows something different was going on. They, they've changed my clothes, he might have thought. They've, they've pierced my ears. They've shaved my head. They've given me a completely new name. One that I don't even believe in. Daniel could see where this was all going. They were going to strip away all that he knew, all that he was, all that he had placed his faith in. And one day, without even knowing it, he would wake up and be worshiping another God and be a completely different human being. So Daniel resolved, this is as far as I go. Now, I wonder why he put the guardrail there, right? Like, why did Daniel put it at the food and the wine? Like, we, we really don't know why it was there. We just know that that's where he put the guardrail. Enough is enough. You're not going to push me any further. It might have been that that, that food had, and wine had been uh, offered as a sacrifice to an idol and to be eating it and ingesting it would have been agreeing and believing that that God was actually real. We, we don't know. It might have been that it wasn't kosher. Daniel wasn't sure if it was kosher. And then in eating it, he would be going against the Mosaic law and the teachings of Moses. We're not really sure exactly why. We only know that that's where he put the guardrail because Daniel was concerned for who he was becoming. It wasn't about the food, right? This was the best food probably in all the land. Might have been the best food in the world at the time. It wasn't about the food. It was about who he was becoming. You see, Daniel never forgot where he was going. Daniel never forgot where he was going. He had a destination for his life already picked out. So he knew when Sea Rock City came up, right? That's not my desired destination. I'm going somewhere else. I'm supposed to be a follower of the one God. And I think there's at least two things that we can learn from Daniel. There's at least two things that we can learn, especially as it pertains to guardrails. The first one is this. Daniel knew that no one just happens to end up somewhere. No one just happens to end up somewhere. One day, Daniel's buddies would end up in a distant land working for the king that had actually killed their family. And they might ask themselves, how did I get here? How did, how did I get here? Why didn't I see this coming? Daniel understood that no one just ends up somewhere, right? It's a series of decisions that lead us to where we're going. What do we do? What do we say when we find ourselves in a, in a tricky situation? It just happened, Right? We've all used those words in one case or another, whether it be in like big consequences or small. I don't know how I got here. It just happened, right? It, it just happened. And Daniel would say, no, that's, that's not how this thing works, right? This, that's not how life works. We create a map and we try to get somewhere on purpose, right? We've heard somebody say, I didn't mean to have too many drinks, right? Pastor Benji talked about this in week one. It just happened, Right? It, it just happened. I didn't mean to sleep with that person. It just happened. I didn't mean to cheat or to flirt and go too far. 
It just happened. I didn't mean to go this far into debt. It just happened. I didn't mean to have friendships that steer me in the wrong direction. It just happened. I didn't want to stop leading my family. Life just got busy and it, it just happened. It was never my intention to fall out of love. It just happened. I didn't want time to pass and go without spending time with my family and kids. I just got really busy and it just happened, right? We've all, we've all heard those things. Maybe we've even said those things. And what Daniel understood is no one just happens to end up somewhere. It's a series of decisions that we make. Daniel could see it. He created a map. He saw his destination and he felt the tensions. Every time he got close to those guardrails, he had already set up. See, every time that he would compromise or every time that he would give in to a temptation, catch this, he would lose his resolve. See, what Daniel understood is wherever he placed the guardrail, that's where the tension point was going to be. If he said, you know what, I'll drink the wine, but not the meat, then that would have been the tension point. And wherever he placed the guardrail, every time he got up to it, that's where the tension would be. Because we all have tensions, right? It doesn't matter where we place the guardrail, the tension is always going to be right there. Do I or don't I? Do I or don't I? And what Daniel understood is it doesn't really matter where I place it. Every time I get up close to it, I'm going to feel that tension. And every time I break through that guardrail, little by little, I'm going to lose my resolve. Every time, little by little. And then somewhere, at some point down the road, I'm going to get there. and I'm going to say to myself, how did I get here? It just happened. And so Daniel resolved long before it ever got there to place his guardrail in a safe location where he could manage the tension. Right? He placed it in a safe place, several feet away from the danger zone. Now, we've seen guardrails that are in safe places, and we feel safe. Have you ever been on like an edge or a cliff, and the guardrail's right up against it? And if you hit that guardrail, you're toast, right? You've been there. Several years ago, my wife and I were in uh, the island of St. Lucia. And it's a beautiful island. It's, it's a volcanic. It's a mountainous island. They have several hurricanes uh, every year. And we didn't, we had no idea what the road conditions would be. It didn't really even cross our minds. And as we were driving from our airport was on the complete opposite side of our hotel where we were going, a driver was taking us and in, in St. Lucia, like two lanes is really kind of like one lane for us. (laughs) So if you can imagine this one lane, which they called two swerving in and out of mountains and, and, and deep, rugged forest and cliffs. They just build them. The, they have to build the roads right on the side of the mountains themselves. And so you're, you're swerving, you're going up and down. There's completely blind curves. And what we would notice very quickly is that these one lanes, which they would call two, would somehow become even smaller. Now, every time a hurricane would come through, it would erode the roads. And they didn't have the infrastructure or the engineering to, to secure them. And so instead of fixing the roads, they would place a guardrail where the erosion was. So you could be going around a blind corner, and all of a sudden the two lanes have now been gone down to one, and your driver would just gun it. <laughs> and, and what we noticed about these guardrails, and they didn't make us feel safe at all, is that for one, they weren't really guardrails. I wish I had taken a picture. I think I was on my knees praying that we would just arrive at our destination. They were like little twigs, right? Like little pieces of wood that they had somehow kind of like nailed together and the wind, I guess, hadn't blown them over. And they painted them yellow and they didn't put them several feet away from the danger zone because they couldn't because there wasn't much lane left. They would actually like drill the boards into the side of the road that had already eroded. So if you hit the guardrail, 
A, it wasn't going to stop you because it was, it was I, I don't know how the wind didn't blow these things over, right? If you hit the guardrail, you were already in the danger zone. If you hit the guardrail, your wheels were already off the road and you were going down the cliff. Now, obviously, we made it. So we, we, were, we were one of the lucky ones, I guess. I don't, I don't know. But what I learned, what I kind of pictured there was like, if you hit it, you're gone, right? Like if you don't place the guardrail in the safe zone where you can manage the tension, you keep pushing that guardrail back, your resolve keeps weakening, you're already in the danger zone. And the consequences are much greater here than they are here. Are you with me? And Daniel got this. So long before the consequences ever grew, Daniel resolved, this is as far as I go. I'm I'm not going any further. This is what Pastor Benji's been talking to us about the past couple weeks. Right? It's maybe seemed a little tense up in here, but it's important things to be talking about because none of us want to get so close that we actually go over the edge. Right? We don't want to sacrifice lifelong influence for momentary satisfaction. That's the first thing Daniel knew. No one just happens to end up somewhere. Here's the second thing. Daniel knew that off-limit areas lose their allure in light of your desired destination. Daniel knew that those off-limit areas lose their allure in light of your desired destination. I'm going to keep reading for just a moment. Daniel chapter 1, verse 9. Now, God had caused the official to show favor and sympathy to Daniel. God was working on Daniel's behalf. We need to to see that. But the official told Daniel, I'm afraid, my lord, the king, who has assigned your food and drink, why should he see you looking worse than the other young men your age? Then the king, or the king would then have my head because of you. Daniel then said to the guard, whom the chief official had appointed directly over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Please test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables that drink and or vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the other young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to test them for 10 days. Now there's two passages in Daniel. There's one here in chapter one. There's another in verse 10 where we get the idea of a Daniel fast. Maybe you've heard of a Daniel fast. Pastor Benji's mentioned it before. Uh, back, in, uh, back in the fall, Pastor Benji actually challenged us to, to, to fast or even Daniel fast together for a period of time. Heading into that time back in, in, the, in the fall was whenever we were launching our new campuses, Columbia and North Raleigh. Pastor Benji said, let's, let's all get together and fast. Leading up to that point, my wife and I had already decided we wanted to spend probably 21 days of fasting and praying on a Daniel fast something we'd already sort of resolved in ourselves. And we said, this would be a wonderful, perfect time to do this together. So I want to just share quickly with you about our Daniel fast. This was Daniel's guardrails. All right. So my wife and I, we decided we wanted to pray some big prayers. Like there were things that God were, was placing on our heart. And we just, let's, let's just commit these to God. Not only that, and really moreover, we didn't want to just be praying for things from God. We just wanted to be praying to like experience God's presence like we've never felt before. So just have God's favor on our lives like never before. And so we just committed for 21 days. We're going to do this Daniel fast, which was essentially water, uh, fruit, vegetables. Uh, there was nuts, beans. Um, whole grains, and that's about it. For 21 days, that's what we said we were going to do. Now, here's what can't be in a Daniel fast typically. No preservatives, no sugar, no sweetener, no dairy, and no meat. Up until the Daniel fast, my diet basically consisted of preservatives, sugar, sweetener, (laughs) dairy, and meat. 
for every meal throughout the day. So I was, you know, I, it was not, it was not an easy time where I was assuming it was not going to be an easy time for me. This was this. So don't think oh, Chad, he's super spiritual and can do, I, I've, I had never done a dangle fast in my life up to that point. So my wife and I, but we said, like, we're going to commit to this. We're going to covenant to this together. Like, we're going to commit to these 21 days of praying and fasting. So we went out beforehand, and we bought all of the groceries so we wouldn't be tempted to eat something else that might be in our house. Somehow, I don't know, we bought less food and spent more money. I don't know if you guys have ever done that. Thank you, Whole Foods. Appreciate it. Right? So this is what we decided to do, right? So for 21 days, this is what we committed to. And along the way, there were people that would come up to us and like, you're, you're crazy for like getting rid of like all that food for 21 days. Are you sure you can do it? Or someone would say like, that's a legit fast. Like, like is, that, is that necessary to like go to like that extreme? And they were usually like well-meaning. But can I tell you what I thought to myself? You can't see where I'm going. Like the things that like my wife and I were like sitting around the breakfast table together and praying for, like that food was nothing. Are you with me? Like the, the kind of influence that we were saying, God, like use us to expand your kingdom, to do things for you on your behalf. That food had nothing on that. Are you with me? Like, so when people would come up and hey, again, it was all like in good fun. Nobody was mean about it, but like, they were like, this is like a crazy fast. And I was like, you can't see where I'm going. If you could see my destination, you would see that this is nothing. This has got nothing on what I'm praying that God would use us for, the, the kind of presence we're, we're, we're asking God to bring in to our lives. And what we discovered during this 21 days, and don't worry, I'm not challenging you to do this, all right? This is, not, this is not where I'm going. But what we had discovered during those 21 days is this actually changed the way that we eat since then. It changed the way that we pray together. It changed the way we lead our family. It, it changed everything. We, we placed the guardrail in our life for 21 days and said, God, we're going to ask you to have favor on our lives and bless us. And he did in an immeasurable way. Why would I have ever stopped to see Rock City along the way? Are you with me? Why would I have ever stopped to eat some of this food when I could see where we're going? You see, what Daniel understood is that those off-limit areas, they lose their allure in light of our desired destination. If we can see where we're going. I wonder, is your destination so much bigger and better than those little side trips that we take along our lives during the day or during the week, those different temptations that will pop up to us? Like, I wonder for, for guys in here, if you would say like, why would I look at certain things on the internet? Why would I look at certain things on TV when I can see the kind of marriage I want to have? Like those things are like stopping to see south of the border when I'm going to Charleston, right? Like why would I stop to do this when I, the, the, the marriage I can envision is so much bigger and better. Why would I sacrifice lifelong influence with my wife for momentary satisfaction, right? Like, like why would I ever do that? Why would I put the kind of friends in my life that are just going to drag me down when God's got such a bigger destination in front of me? Why would I flirt with immoral sexuality when the destination God has for me is so much bigger and better? Why would I stop and see Rock City when God has something so much bigger waiting for me? God has a plan for your life. He has big dreams and big things he wants to do in you and through you. And Daniel would challenge us not to stop and see Rock City, to not see the tourist trap along the way, to not take the things that distract us from where we're going. 
So what does God do? I, I want to just, we, we need to hear this. We need to say this because Daniel doesn't know the end of the story when he, just, when he makes his decision, does he? Right? Like he, he just knows this is my guardrail. This is my stance. Come what may, this is where I stop. Verse 15. At the end of 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the other young men who ate their royal food. So catch this. So the guard took away the choice food of the others and the wine and the drink that he gave them. He gave them vegetables instead. Now, the others were mad, right? Like, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. To these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. At the end of the time set by the king to bring them in, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's service. And every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his entire kingdom. You know what I've come to like realize about God? And it's taken me far too long to understand this, far too long. He's for me. Like, God is for me. And if you ever look at the scriptures and say, like, this is just a list of things that God doesn't want me to do, you're looking at it completely wrong. Now, there are guardrails we should set up in our lives to, gu- to guard us from, from the harm, to protect us from stepping over the line. But moreover, this book is a list of values to guide us towards the destination that God has set for our lives. He has something so much bigger from you. And if you ever doubt it, just be reminded. He sent his son to die for you. He loves you. He believes in you so much. He sent his son to die on your behalf. Today, I want to wrap, our, 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 I want to wrap Daniel's mind around our minds. And I want to ask ourselves two questions. Two questions as we close up here. The first is this. What are your desired destinations? What are your de- desired destinations? And I want to remind us, like I said earlier, it's a who, not a what. It's not what your God's going to do through you. It's the kind of person he's going to create you to be. I want to give you some suggestions. But before the day ends, I want to challenge you. Fill in those blanks that are there on your sheet. Fill in the blanks and say, these are my desired destinations and commit to them and covenant to them with God. But here's some possible, some possible scenarios for you. A Christian that passionately follows God. Maybe that's a, a destination for you. A man I'm proud to see in the mirror. Maybe that's a destination for you. A woman who seeks God's heart for me and for others. Maybe you'd write that down. A wife who respects my husband. Or maybe a husband who builds up my wife. A parent that develops character in my children. A business person who is generous. A follower of Christ who takes risk for the kingdom. I don't know what it is for you, but what are your desired destinations? Before the day's out, write them down. Commit to them, covenant to them, and say, God, this is where we're going. This is what I think you've put in my heart, and these are what I'm going to strive towards. And then ask yourself this, what values will guard and guide you to keep you on track? What values will guard you and guide you to keep you on track? We have a staffer here, and I asked him if I could share this. He doesn't have a to-do list. I'm sure he actually has a to-do list. Like, you know, There's some pretty high-caliber staffers around New Hope Church, and so I'm sure he has a to-do list. But he has a to-be list. I love this. On his phone, the first thing he sees when he opens up his phone is a to-be list. And it lists all the different things he wants to be throughout the day. The kind of person he wants to be. 
Now, if you were to take a poll among all New Hope staffers to rank your favorite staffers, we probably shouldn't do this, but if we ever did, right? This guy would end up in the top three on everybody's list because he's just such an encourager. Everybody likes to be around him. He's just a great person. And I, and I asked him, I said, can I share this? And he said, yeah. And I said, you know those are guardrails, right? And he's like, yep, that's why I put them on my phone. The thing I look at the most during the day, the first thing I see when I open it up is a reminder of the values of the kind of person I want to be. It's a to-be list. So this is a, a to-be list. What are the values that are going to guard you and guide you every day towards your destination? Maybe these are you. Maybe for you, you need to pray and read scripture before you do anything else in the day. Right? Maybe you just sort of like roll out of bed and your knees hit first and you just pray before you do anything else. Maybe that's a, maybe that's a value for you. For my wife and I, this is a huge one for us. We get up early every day. We set our alarms and we get up early. And we've told our kids, there is a time you get up and there's a time you don't get up. Because <laughs> there's a period of time where it's just my wife and I. Part of us just enjoying one another, talking together before the day starts. Part of us praying, might be exercising, whatever it is, that's a value. Every day the alarms go off, we get up out of bed. That's a value for us because our, our day is better. We get to our destination better if we set in that guardrail. Maybe for this one, for wives, you want to kiss your husband every day. Guys, I'm, I'm working for you here, okay? I'm, I'm, I'm helping you out. Maybe that's for you. Maybe that's for you women. Guys, I'm helping you out too, ladies. Tell your wife and children you love them every day. Maybe that's something you need to put down as a value that's going to guard you and guide you. Maybe you need to do family devotions once a week to develop the kind of character you want in your children. Maybe it's you, you need to serve one person each day just to remind you that life's not about you. I don't know what it is for you. Be generous each week. I love this one. Maybe you, you, because you, we all see this as parents. We see something special in our children that no one else has. Maybe you would just resolve that once a week you're going to share that with them. Every week, that thing you see in them that no one else sees, you're going to remind them, I see this in you, I see this in you, I see this in you. And you're going to bring it out of them. I don't know what it is, what it is for you, but what, what values are you going to place to get you at your desired destination? So that every time a distraction comes up, a tourist trap of sorts comes up to take you off the road, you're going to say, no, 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 no. I know where I'm going. And this, this has got nothing on where God's taken me. I want to invite us to stand together. I want to invite us to stand together. And as we're doing that, let me say this. For me, for the desired destinations that I can see in my mind, for the things that I feel like God has challenged me to bring about while I spend however many days, weeks, months, or years on earth, I have some desired destinations. And it's my prayer that at some point down the road, I'll be able to stand and look back and say, I did it. Like, I, I put the right values in. I, maybe I wasn't perfect every day, but man, those values, they guarded me and they guided me. And I was able to have the kind of influence, the lifelong influence that I, I prayed for so long ago. And then looking back, I can say God was faithful every step of the way. Just like he was for Daniel, he was faithful for me. When I took a stand, when I put a guardrail in my life and said, I'm not going past this, that God proved himself faithful to me. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for today. God, we thank you for loving us. We thank you for being for us. God, may we never doubt that, that you are for us. God, would you stir up visions in our minds for the kind of people that we could become, for the kind of families that we could develop, to have the kind of influence in this life and in this world that we so long for. And then God, as you do that, would you help us to 
to see and to develop and to put into our lives the values and guardrails that will guard us and guide us to those destinations. God, do your work in us today so that in doing your work in us, you can do your work through us. As we sing to you right now, God, would you prove your faithfulness to us? It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Let's sing together. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you would like to learn more about the ministries of New Hope Church, please stop by one of our six campuses anytime or visit us online at www.newhopenc.org. If you would like to financially support the movement of New Hope, you can do so by clicking on the e-giving link at the top of our homepage. We hope you'll join us next week. May God bless you and thank you for being a part of our church family.